Hello, this is David Sangster, lead pastor at New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today for our podcast. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired. Enjoy the message. Today we're continuing our um, The Family series. And man, I just so enjoyed last week. I know it was long. I'll try to be better today. But there's just, it's so hard. This series is so hard to keep concise because there's so much to say. There's so much, I don't know, fodder for rediscover, rediscovery. And there's also just some really great things. God has, God has created the family to be this amazing thing. And I just want to herald it from the rooftops. And uh, sometimes that takes me into, you know, 40 minutes. You know, so we'll try to be better today. Today, we are going to talk about the family of God. How the family interacts with the greater family that is the church. Okay, so the community of the family, the institution of the family incorporated into the family of God. There is an incredible need for community. Okay, I wouldn't publish a book titled It Takes a Village. But I might publish a book titled It Takes a Church. Because there is such a great dynamic in the church. The big idea for this message is this. The church should be a diverse family of believers that integrates the strengths of each individual to support the growth and life of all its members. That's a, that's a mouthful. I'll leave it, up there for, leave it up there for a second so people can take notes. I see people writing it down. That's, that's a mouthful. But listen, we read it one more time. The church should be a diverse, diverse family of believers that integrates the strengths of each individual to support the growth and the life of all its members. You are important. Let that hang out there for a second. You are important. We need you. And I'm gonna go, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a little bit of wave here for a second. Can can you can you handle it for a second? We need you weekly. Now let me, let me that that's harsh. I understand that. Our church culture now, you are considered, according to Barna Institute, you are considered a regular attender at church if you attend one time a month. I think that's garbage. It used to be part of the fabric of our lives that we would that church. The community of church, not the building, the church was something that we checked in with very regularly. And it kept us tight and it kept us strong. But now we've become such an individualized world. It's all about the individual these days that now the church has kind of adopted some of those thought patterns. I don't need to go to church. I can watch it online. The truth is you can watch it online. But should you? I don't think so. I think there's strength in drinking coffee together. I think there's strength in pounding some donuts. I think there's strength in laughing together. I think there's strength in worshiping the Lord together in community. Well, pastor, I don't worship like that lady in front. She's a little bit more... I don't care. Worship how you worship, but let's worship together. Right? 
There's power in together. All right, so let's pray. I want to pray over this sermon because I want you guys to, I want you guys to get it. I want you guys to feel the Holy Spirit is, is, is I, I believe, working powerfully through this series in spite of the one giving it. <laughs> All right? But, man, if we could build strong families that build strong churches, that build strong communities, we can turn this world around. Got a couple. Maybe you don't believe it. I'm, I'm, I think God believes it. That's why he gave us the church. That's why he gave us the family. Don't blame the family. Or don't blame God for the situation in our families. Blame us. We screwed it up. We got to get back to making the first things first. Lord, thank you for this time. God, I thank you for your word. And we're going to read a lot of it today. God, I pray that you would help us to have soft hearts, to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's get into it. Our scriptural journey into the family of God. And those are the verses. Look them up all real quick. I'm joking. Just know that they're there. Take a picture of that if you want to cross-reference me later. It's fine. I'm going to read them to you in, in rapid succession because I want you to see the pathway from where we were, the, fir the first things that we got, how we kind of got out of that, the arc of getting away from that, and how we've been brought back. So we're going to read. And um, here we go. Genesis 1:27 was where we started just about every sermon in this series. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Dominion is an incredible word. It means make stuff. It means control stuff. Build communities. Build houses, build cities, build stuff, subdue, do it, have dominion. It's a pretty cool word. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, this is what God said. The family, the uh, children, the marriage, the vocations, the dominion of the earth. He said it was very good. So what happened? We screwed it up. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That's what happened in the garden. All we like sheep went astray. And we've turned every one of us to our own way. Genesis 3.23. So the Lord God sent him away from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. I think it's interesting that Genesis 3.23 and Romans 3.23 kind of pick up on each other. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Genesis 22. This is talking to Abraham. This is a little bit down the road. We've been, we've been, we're east of Eden now. The relationship with God is, has been broken. We're outside the family. And now he goes to Abraham. And he says, I will bless you, Abram, and I will surely multiply your offsprings and the, as the stars of the heaven and as the sands that are on the seashore. And your offspring shall, be, shall possess the gates of the enemy. I love that. Your offspring will possess the control of the enemy's territory. Come on, folks. Your descendants will take hold of the keys of the enemy's dominion and will take control. Love it. 
and in, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Through Israel, through Abraham's seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. John 3.16, for God so loved the world still, thousands of years later, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 1.12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, Jesus' name, he gave the right to be called children of We were part of the family, just like the prodigal son. We went our own way. Through the seed of Abraham, God made a way through the person of Jesus Christ for us to be brought back into the family. Acts 2, 7 through 12 says, And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how, how is it that we hear each one of those in their native tongue. So here's the thing. Is it just Jews that are back through Abraham's seed, that they're back in the family? Well, let's find out that progression. So in, on the day of Pentecost, there was a group of people who were Jews, but from other areas. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Parasia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome with Jewish and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling, uh, telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and all we are amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And Peter stood up in verse 38, and he says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the purpose is, for, uh, excuse me, for the promise, that promise from Abraham, right? That promise, he says, that promise is for you and for your children and for all. When the Bible uses the word all in the Bible means all. If you've not been here before, that's what it means. All means all. And for all who are far off. And then he goes even further. He says, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Well, pastor, you said that those people were from different areas, but they were still Jewish. What does that mean for us Gentiles? Acts 10, 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God has shown no partiality. This is in front of a Roman centurion. Roman, the enemy. But in every nation, Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that is sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. Well, now, now this is cool. While Peter's talking about this, while he was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. He didn't even finish his sermon. Verse 46, then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water from baptism from these people? These Romans, these enemies of the Jews, so to speak. Totally not Jewish. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Can anyone withhold water for baptism from these who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? 
And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Romans 8, 14 through 15. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. That's you. That's you. Like, I'm a girl. You're his daughter. And he loves you so much. He's called you. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of, what's the word? Oh, adoption. You received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We have received the spirit of adoption. We've been brought back into the family and we, because we are adopted heirs and co-heirs with Christ, we can cry out, Daddy. That's what Abba means. Daddy. The other day, my daughter, with all the love in her heart, I came home from work. And I walk in the door. And I scream my head off. Because my little daughter, my youngest, put a snake, fake snake, in the doorway. You thought I was going to say, she ran up and she hugged me. She said, Daddy. No, she put a snake because she knows I'm terrified of snakes. My youngest. And she thought that was the most hilarious thing ever. <laughs> so after I wiped myself off the floor, she came up, Daddy, I love you. I'm sorry. No, you're not, little brat. That's the relationship we have with dad and daughter. That's what adoption into the family of God is supposed to be like. Folks, come on. That's what the family's supposed to be like. What does it look like to be part of this amazing family? I wanna, there's two texts I'm going to use as my main text. We've read a lot of scripture so far in, you know, blitzkrieg order, but I wanted you to get that arc of family prodigal back into family, right? Colossians chapter 3. You can look that up. I'll give you a couple seconds. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read a large section. This particular passage of Scripture in Colossians 3 really talks about what it looks like to live as part of the family of God. We call it the church. We call it the church, but it's really God's family, the kingdom of God. What is the, what is the Lord's we talked about yesterday in prayer? The Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is. In That's the family of God, folks. Colossians chapter 3 says this. If you, excuse me, if any of you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not things on this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then also will uh, appear with him in glory. You will appear with him in glory. Now, wait, ready? Here it goes. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, 
which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Verse 7 is key. In these you too once walked. Keep that in your mind. When you were living in them. But now you have must pass, uh, put them away, uh, away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. I think that's one of the hardest ones for our culture today. Obscene talk. The Bible says you gotta, you gotta start putting that to death. It's not an easy thing. Many of us are, it's kind of our vernacular. You gotta put that to death. You gotta say, no, no, I'm not gonna use obscene talk. I'm not gonna do that. It's right here in scripture. I didn't make it up. Okay? Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, important word, here, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Okay, let's break this a little down before we move on to the next passage. Let's break it down. There's four words I want to talk about today, and the first one is once. 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 And we're going to go back to that passage that says, in these you two once walked. So what is the church made up of? The family of God is made up of, here we go, sinners. Well, that, I know there's some sinners in our church. That doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. The church is made up of sinners. So many people say, if I walk into that building, the sin will come in. Have you ever heard that? I can't go to church. I can't go to church. If I walked into that building, the ceiling would, would fall in. I'm just so sinful. Join the club. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've all gone our own way. Right? That statement of ceiling will fall in means I'm so simple that there's no place for me in the family of God. Aren't you glad that somebody didn't say that to you? You're too sinful. You don't belong here. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't do that when he walked the earth? You're too simple. You don't belong. Matthew, you're a tax collector. You don't belong. Peter, you're an idiot. You don't belong. Judas, you will betray me. You don't belong. Ouch. The church is made up of sinners, folks. We once walked in that life. The truth is we are all so sinful that without Christ, there is no place for us anywhere in the family of God. So you're in good company. We need to get over ourselves. We need to get over ourselves and enjoy the forgiveness that comes from God through Jesus. Stop focusing on how you are not enough. And start focusing on how Christ is more than enough. He's more than enough. 
saints and sinners alike. Sinners need to see that the door is not closed to them. Sinners need to see that those doors are not closed to them. Oh, wait, wait. Let me see your church card. Slide it. Oh, it's not working. Try again. Now you're, oh, okay. Beep. Door open. You can come in. Wait, you don't have a card? Go to the movie theater. That's where sinners go. No. People need to know. That's why we're here. That's why we moved off a little cute little church on Alma Road in Windsor Locks. Because we wanted people to know that we're here for them. We're accessible. We want them to know that God loves sinners. So sinners need to see that the doors are not closed to them. And saints need to stop beating themselves up over their past sins. Stop beating yourself up. Live in the forgiveness of God. It's a great place to live. That is once what you once were. That's what you once were when you were on the outside looking in. But now you are part of the family. Enjoy it. Enjoy your your lineage, your birthright. You are a child of the Most High God, creator of the universe. Start enjoying it. Come play golf with us. Let's enjoy one another. Let's enjoy what God gave us. He gave us the church, the family of God. Listen to this. You're going to hear this multiple times today. I want to drill it into your head. Perspective, compassion, wisdom, and fun is gained when we are a diverse people. Your background makes you diverse, makes you different than somebody else. We can learn from that. We can get perspective from that, and we can enjoy one another. Next word I want you to focus on is here. Here. So Paul is talking to the Colossian church, and he says this. He says, here there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. Where's here? I mean, Paul is not in uh, uh, Colossae. I'm trying to get the word. Paul is not in Colossae. He's writing a letter from another place to the Colossian church. So where's here? Where Paul is or where they are? No, 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 no. He's talking about here being the church. This place, this world, this this family that we, in this family here, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. So what is a Greek? What is a circumcised? Well, let's, let's get some perspective. A Greek is an uncircumcised person in the Jewish mind, okay? Anyone in the civilized world that is not Jewish, that's what a Greek is, and an uncircumcised. Anybody who's in the civilized world that is not Jewish. So what is Jewish, or what is, who is a Jew and who is circumcised? Jew, Jewish, and thus heirs the promise of, Christ, of, uh, of Abraham. A lot of Jewish people thought that they alone were inheritance of the promise God gave to Abraham. So he's saying, you guys and this whole group over here, so what is a barbarian? Greeks and barbarians. What's the difference between Greeks and barbarians? Barbarians are 
non-Greeks. Those lacking Greek speech and culture. The thugs of the culture. Those who are uncivilized. So, okay, then we got the Greeks, we got the Jews, we got the barbarians, and then we got the Scythians. Scythians, sorry, Scythians. What's a Scythian? I had to look that one up because I didn't know. So a Scythian is a special category of barbarian. The worst of the worst. They inhabited Scythia, today's southern Russia, right around Ukraine. Anyway, um, one commentator wrote this of them. Scythians were known especially for their brutality and were considered by others as little better than wild beasts. So we got Jews, and we got Greeks, and we got barbarians, and we got, oh, Scythians. Here, there's no distinction. There's no class structure here. Here, you're family. I don't care where you came from, what region you're from, who your daddy was. I don't care what your ethnic background is, what the color of your skin is. Here, Christ is all and in all. He goes even further. He gets really controversial here. He says this, neither is there slave or free. Who is a slave in this culture? A slave equals somebody who has no intrinsic value or agency. And it could, unfortunately, it could have been extended to women and children at that point because they had no independent intrinsic value or agency either. Very, very highly patriarchal. I'm going to tell I don't like using this word, but the church early on is very progressive. I mean, they got women in leadership. Paul's talking about breaking down the walls of, of, uh, of authority. It's, it's crazy. It's so countercultural to the time. And he says free. So slaves and free. Who's a, who's a free person? Possessing independent agency. Basically, a man. That's not a slave. And what is it? There's no difference between that person and a slave? Not here. Not here. Now, the realities of, the life, of life exist. The world is hard on people. I'm going to tell you something right now that you might not. Racism exists. And the world is hard, and the world is not a great place in many ways. But not here. That's how it should be. Not here. I don't care who you are, who your daddy was, where you grew up. Even if you grew up south of the Mason-Dixon line. I don't care what part of the country, world you came from. I don't care if you are, uh, uh, you were weaned with a silver platter or a silver spoon, whatever that thing is. I don't care. If you were poorer than poor, socioeconomically, ethnically, the church should be diverse. There's so much richness in the tapestry that is a diverse church. I love it. That's what God wants. Culture, cultural, ethnic, and socioeconomic diversity from the very early on in the church has been a defining characteristic of the family of God. 
So if you don't like people who are different than you, don't be in the church. In 1963, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, it is appalling that the most segregated hour of Christian America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And according to experts today, that assertion remains true today. That's not what God intended. There, has, there is and always has been power in the mingling of different people groups in the church. Christ has adopted us into his family. Why? So that we can build one another up in ways and we could never be able to do on our own. We are better together. There's perspective and there's uh, knowledge that we don't have growing up the way I grew up. From people's backgrounds in sin. Listen, I grew up very sheltered, in a very, very sheltered world where I had Christians all around me in my life. You know who I've learned from a lot? People who've gone through a totally different life experience than I have. They've opened, the, opened my eyes to things that I didn't know. Wow, God is so faithful. Same thing with ethnic backgrounds and things like that. Socioeconomic levels and stuff. We learn. We're stretched and we're better together. Here's that statement again. Ready? Perspective, compassion, wisdom, and fun is gained when we are a diverse people. All right. Keep your finger in Colossians 3, but flip over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Keep your finger in Colossians 3. We're going to go back there, but flip over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Here we go. Verse 1. I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder, at witness to the sufferings of Christ, this is Peter talking, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over or domineering those entrusted to you, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, who is this talk being talked about? Who is this? Who's Peter talking to? Pastors? Nope. Why do we know this? Because in the very next verse, he says, in the same way, you who are younger, so he's talking to two specific groups here. He's talking to the elders, the older, and he's talking to the younger. So what does he say to the, what does he say to the elders, those who are older? He said, shepherd God's flock among you. It's your job. Now, it's my job. I'm a pastor. But your job is to shepherd as, as the elders of the church. It is your job to shepherd the flock. You cannot be absent. You have a responsibility through Scripture to help the younger people come up. Well, they don't want to hear it. We'll get to that. Verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you. Now, this is, this is all of you, both groups. 
all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, you who are younger. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in the proper time. Someday you're going to be the elder. Humble yourself so you can learn some stuff so that when you get to be the elder, you have something to pass down. See how this all works, this passage? It's pretty interesting. Casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. All right, here's the next word that we're going to be talking about. Humbly. Humbly. We need to be humble people. It says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the who? Humble. The family of God has historically been and should forever be a generational church. The family of God has historically been generational. Somehow we've gotten into a strange place in the modern Western church where we feel like we must have different churches for different ages of people. In this service, we do things this way. We sing the right songs the right way and fellowship in the right way. Now, depending on whether you're an elder or young, that's going to mean something different. So what do we do in the, in, the, in the modern church? We split them. We have one church service for the, for the elders, and we have one church for the young. Same church, two different services. I hate that. Just saying. I hate that. Because in other words, the service is, uh, this is what happens. It says, in other service, in the other service, whichever one you're not in, they do things the wrong way. They sing the wrong songs, and I don't like it. They fellowship, their fellowship is weird. It becomes an us versus them mentality. Humility destroys that dynamic. Humility destroys that dynamic. Now, I'm in a weird in-between place in my life. I'm about 40, be 44 this month. So I keep wanting to say I'm younger, but I'm very quickly sliding into the elder. So I'm in this weird, you know, middle of the seesaw. So I can see the arguments on both sides in many ways. But I thought it was interesting. Uh, this past month, we, as a staff, went to the um, Southern New England District National, uh, excuse me, Annual Network Conference. And Gordon McDonald, anybody familiar with Gordon McDonald? Gordon McDonald is a uh, pastor. He is a author. One of his most famous books, it's a dynamic. I've been giving books to you this series. Have you guys appreciated the book list? Because I hope you guys, I hope it doesn't overwhelm you, but the book list. This one's Ordering Your Private World, amazing book by Gordon McDonald. He's a uh, pastor for four churches over his tenure from different parts of the country. And he has been uh, ministering actively for over 50 years. He's now, I think, around 85. And he spoke at our conference to us. And he had everybody, right, Michael? He had everybody riveted. But I thought one, he spoke at a, a, a 
special sem- seminar, and he said some of these things. And I want to I give you from his perspective, okay? Um, he said that he was working hard to be the kind of old person that young people love to be around. I want to be the kind of old person that young people love to be around. He said, what is this? is quote, what is the use of all my years of experience and knowledge if no one wants to be around to hear it? Elders, the young people need you. If you're 60 years, 60, let's say 60 years and up, stand up right now. 60 years and up. I know it's tough, ladies. Young people, look around. Look around. Listen, no, don't sit down. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. We need you. I'm almost there with you. They need you. The young people need you. Be an elder that young people want to be around. You can sit down. We love you so much. We want you in our church. We want, we want you to shepherd the flock. I need you as a pastor. Okay? You hold a wealth of knowledge that they don't have. These young people don't have and desperately need. It is your responsibility to shepherd the flock. And this is what Gordon McDonald, some of the things that Gordon, this is not me, I'm not picking on you. This is an older guy, 85 years old. This is what he says. If you're, he was talking to the, the whole pastors in the room, right? It's all the pastors, pastors in the room. He says, don't be ornery or judgmental. He said, don't demand your own way. This is what, this is what he said, not me. You had your time, and it's becoming their time. You can be present, involved, and cherished, or you can be crotchety and ignored. That's what he said. That takes humility, but man, it brings joy. Pastor McNaught also gave a challenge to the younger people. He said this, see. This is from him. See the older people in your congregation. See them. And this is what he said. I thought it was hilarious. He said, you will usually find them sitting toward the back, around the edges, near the exits. Because we don't always feel like we belong. The music is too loud. And frankly, we need to be near the bathroom. That's what he said. Talk to the youth, young people. He said, don't be so self-absorbed and self-important that you don't take the time to speak to the elders in your church community. Just don't talk to one another. Talk to the elders. You will make their week. Some of them are lonely. They've had all, a lot of the, especially in, the, in his age, he says, a lot of my friends have died. He said, I'll tell you what. Some young person comes up and wants to ask me about how my week was. He said, I'll knock my socks off. So us young people need to be cognizant of that. And he said this, we don't really want much. We just want to be included and seen. I was like, that's interesting. I thought I'd share that with you today. Young people, that's our job. Older people, you have a job too. Humility is the basis of that. Youngers, younger and the elder need, youngers, the elders need you. 
Okay? They need you. You bring to them a wealth of energy and vitality <laughs> that no longer, they no longer have, yet they still enjoy being a part of. So let's just have another service just for all the elders. Yay. They're going to love that. Yeah, yeah. All they're going to talk about is who died and what ailment they have and what doctor's appointments they had next week. They, w- they need us. We need to see them. I had a great opportunity to, to visit Anna Mae uh, Farrow in the uh, rehabilitation center this week. And, man, she's getting better, by the way. I, when I walked in, she was walking down the hall, basically jogging with a walker. And she, she's like, Pastor, you don't have to come see me. I said, why, why would I not want to? You're awesome. Oh, Pastor. I got brownie points from that. It was all good. I said, man, I love you. She's like, I love you too. I said, and I started talking to her. She goes, you're going to have to speak up. I'm like, this is the woman who's complaining the music's too loud. Come on. You know. I love Anna Mae. So young people, don't be self-centered or self-absorbed. Look around you and see elders in the room as treasure troves of experience and knowledge. You can seek out their wisdom of their years and enjoy their stories. Or you can pay the price of repeating the mistakes of their past due to your lack of curiosity. Perspective, compassion, wisdom, and fun is gained when we are diverse people. Intentionally seek out mentors and relationships with people who are older or younger than you. Enjoy each other. I'm going to skip a little bit, Pat, okay? So follow me here, okay? Uh, Back to Colossians 3. Verse 14. The word says this, Above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The last word on that line is love. Love. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Guess what? Your family and the family of God are not much different than each other. People do stupid stuff. Humans are flawed. Welcome to the planet. They don't, they don't miraculously become unflawed when they become a church family member. They're going to do dumb stuff. Love covers a multitude of sins. Let's be a little bit humble, huh? What is love? Love is patient and kind. It doesn't envy is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking. Do you see how this is humble all the way through? Is not irritable, does not keep record of wrongs, finds no joy in unrighteousness, rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. Remember the word all? It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. We can live together in harmony despite our differences when love is at the center of our church family. I'm going to say it one more time. Perspective, compassion, wisdom, and fun is gained when we are a diverse people. So, 
You've been adopted into the family of God. Congratulations. Once here, humbly loved. Once here, humbly love. That's all we ask. When you're here, humbly love one another. There's power in Lord, thank you for this moment in time. God, I thank you for the diversity of our people, their backgrounds, their histories, their their struggles with sin, their victories, their ethnic backgrounds, the foods they love, the places that they've lived, the families they've grown up in. Lord, the ages that we find ourselves in, we have no control over that. It just happens. We get older and some are younger, but we're better together far better together. Lord, I pray that love would be the tying bind, uh, the tie that binds us together as the church. God, I pray right now, Lord Jesus, for each and every person in this room, that they would feel that they belong in your family. And even more specifically, this local family of New Life Church. We love you today, God. Help us to love one another. What are the two most important things that God said to do? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. If we can do those things, we are a good family. We give it to you, Jesus. How many you. Amen. God bless you.